Hi everyone and welcome to episode 47 of the Two Sporting Muppets. As always you're here with Greg and Gray and we'll take a bit of a look, not at the week in sport, the last couple of weeks in sport. We've been on a bit of hiatus. Um, as I mentioned the last pot, I've actually started a new job which has kept me away from the microphone for a little while and give us a bit of a breather. But we are back tonight, which is Friday night, to have a look at what's been happening in sport, mostly in Australia, but I'm sure we'll touch on some international stuff as we get there. And as I say that, I welcome to the microphone, Gray. How are you? Very well, thanks, Greg. Good to catch up. As you said, it's been a, been a busy time, but a good sort of busy. And by goodness, our old cliche, hasn't it been a busy time in sport? Certainly the sporting headlines in Australia have been all consumed with soccer of all sports, which is not not always had the priority it has more recently in Australia, but I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's just interesting to see what catches the headlines when we have some success. And, and nice to see after so much happening in the Northern Hemisphere over our winter, plenty of action here. So if it's okay, we might get straight into it. Sounds great. Let's go. Now, if unless you've been living under a rock in Australia well aware that the Women's World Cup has reached the business end and with Australia featuring heavily. So we have to talk about, we had we had that must-win game over Canada, which we won and then made it to the quarters. We played France on, when was it, last Saturday? And well, what a game. It was nil all after, after the 90 minutes plus 30 minutes. Two hours, basically, of football. Not without chances. We had some good chances. Samantha Kerr came on in the second half, did her thing. But it went to the... It did look pretty inevitable to go to penalty. It did. It, it Look, it was close. Those teams were so evenly matched across, as you said, the 90 minutes and then the half hour of extra time. So we're talking two hours of football. It was... Both teams had good chance. Both teams had really good opportunities to score. Neither was successful. But they did have really good opportunities um and as you said for you know you got in that extra time it looked like it was going to go to penalties which it ended up inevitably doing and it was just so it was just nail-biting the penalties because we got ahead early and then because france mckenzie who was just absolutely outstanding saved and but then we missed one and it just kept toing and throwing you know so we had what 10th the 10th kicker coming up who would who wouldn't have even thought they would be involved? Exactly. You know, normally five and you're done, but to get through 10 was amazing. But you told, you're right. The stress, it was stressful watching. I can only imagine what those players were feeling on both teams. Oh, it would have been at the ground. It would have been amazing. And the tension in the air and the enthusiasm, anticipation, and the dread when it looked like, yeah, we, we, we might have lost it. And then the elation at the end when it went through. The last one. And I felt for Mackenzie, who did that such good saving. And when she had her shot, she absolutely pumped it, but just hit the bar, hit the side post and... Hit, hit the bar. And her, her her goal kick was to win it. If she had to hit that Australia one, so she actually, after the save, she could have actually been the same, but then gone on to kick the goal to win. Unfortunately, nailed it, per, well, hit the ball really well, but unfortunately, she said hit the bar, the, the goal post itself and bounced away, which is really unfortunate. And then she had to back up, and then she had to back up in the goals again. That's right, back in the goals, and she did some fine work. Penalties are what they are. You can argue is it a good way to win, but someone's got to win, and you just got to find a way in penalty shootouts, and and that's what. Our, and as I said, the elation at the end and the excitement. Before we look at that, what's your what's your opinion on penalty shootouts? 
Look, I was talking to a very good friend of mine who's a soccer mad person, coaches, still coaches soccer now, played all his life. And I was saying, I hate it. I hate it. I hate that for such, uh, to decide such an important close game through penalties, I think is awful, but I don't have a better solution because they've already gone through the extra time. You know, the whole rugby league, say, analogy, which I don't like, but, you know, golden point can't work in soccer. You know, then I, we were having, you know, what if, you know, it was like half, half a field, but three on three or two on two or something. So there was actually some sort of semblance of a game of football skill as opposed to just penalty goals and all the pressure going on the goalkeeper. But yeah, it was fantasy talk. So no, I don't have, I hate it, but I don't have a better solution. I'm with you in that I don't, I, I do not like shootouts. The reason I don't, okay, it's soccer related. It all came back, I believe, in the old FA Cups and that. It was simply a toss of if extra time were well, not decided. So they decided a way where it was actually something game. Related. The thing I don't like, because so much is at stake during it, the person for the losing team who misses the goal, that they have to live with that. For the Absolutely. You know, and there's, remember Robert Baggio in the, was it 80s or early 90s for Italy, you know, hit, he kicked it over the top and for the rest of every day gets reminded of it. You have, you know, extreme case, the Colombian, was it the goalie who was murdered when he returned home after a World Cup um, in the, in the year, last Euros where England, the semis, I think it was, was it the final semis, I think, that brought on two specialist penalty takers. Uh, Market Rush had been one of them. I forget the other, the other player. And of course, when you do that, they both miss their penalty. But, you know, death threats and your scum and all this sort of rubbish. So I, I don't like that, that aspect of it. On the other hand, I do think, though, if you're losing the penalties, you've got no one else to blame. Both teams, you've had two hours on the game. If you can't do it then, by then, well, he's probably a 50 chance of winning it. Yeah, well, you, I, you're probably right. I just think, yeah, look, I think I agree with everything you just said. Uh, I, I, I think I disagree that it's 50-50. I think it's in favour of the kicker because the kicker's got control and the pace in which they take the kick. I know they're not able to stop halfway, but they're still in control. The goalie can't move at all until that ball is struck. So it's still in favour of the kicker. So I disagree with you that it's 50-50, which is one of the reasons I don't like it. Uh, yeah. No, I was actually alluding to the outcomes 50-50 in terms of the team. Rather. No, you're right. Definitely in favour favor of the kicker. But I guess then, you know, it's the same for both teams. That's true. You can argue that to the, to the cows come home. But my suggestion would be, I think, extra time, first half as per normal, 15 minutes. And I think second 15 of the extra time, two or three off. So eight on eight or nine on nine. Yes. Trying, you know, do you can't play forever. You could argue until there's a goal, but that may not be realistic. You could try that and then penalty if need be after then. Um, but because they're so tired, if you took two players off, I just think that would make a major impact. Yeah, I like the idea in theory. I just, as you said, after playing that long, I know they have, you know, you can make substitutes in soccer and they do, but after playing the amount of time and the field is huge, like the amount of territory they cover over a course of a game, I'd love to know what the GPS trackers say because it would be kilometres. Oh, it, yeah, it is like, it's a, it's a normal footy size field and they're all over it. But yeah, but I guess regardless of the outcome, the penalties, it's the same for everyone. It's the way it's going to, has been and is going to be. It's not going to change. For a while. And it's great when, like Australia was, 
on the winning end of it. Imagine what the reaction would have been against penalties had Australia happened to lose against France the other night in our country. It would have been, you know, the worst thing in the world. Yeah, that would have been an interesting. Yeah. But we won and was, and oh, the feeling. Well, even in the lead up before the, before the, the quarterfinal and the semi, just talk about, talk about bringing a country together. Yeah. Everyone was just on board, weren't they? Yeah, absolutely. You couldn't go anywhere and not hear someone, see someone talking about it, see it in the headline, someone wearing, just to see so many people wearing um, the, the Midfielders jersey, men and women, I just think was awesome. You know, where I work now, we've got a huge rebel right next door and they, they sold out. You couldn't get our Matilda's jersey in there in one of the biggest rebel stores in Sydney. And I think that speaks volume. For two reasons. A, it's for football, which is great for the sport, but also women's. Yeah. 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 Massive success on every, every level. Phenomenal. For sure. So on to the business end. So the semi-final, which was held, I think Tuesday night was the first, where Spain defeated Sweden 2-1 to advance to the final, Spain. And then in that blockbuster, as I said, the lead-up was like the scene. The, as we spoke off air, look, England deserved to win. England were the better team. We had our chances. And, of course, Samantha Kerr's goal, that'll be spoken as long as the game's played in Australia. Yeah, well, phenomenal. Phenomenal. You know, the way she was able to do that, quite individual goal, to level that game up at that point in time, phenomenal. Just going back a, a sec where you said, you know, the the anticipation for the game. I haven't seen that sort of anticipation around sport in Australia. The closest I can think of was when Cathy Freeman made the final of that 400 metres in the Sydney Olympics. That kind of, from my memory, was a similar kind of feeling in this country to what we had the last week around the Matildas. I agree. And the quarterfinal was the second, apart from beyond that, was the most watched program event ever. And I believe the semi-final smashed it, was the most watched yeah, event in Australian TV. Which is brilliant. On so many levels, that's just, as you said before, firstly, it's, it's soccer in Australia, which has not had the following it does in other parts of the world. And secondly, which shouldn't be, but is the case, women's sport is just on the pedestal, which is really great to see. Wonderful, wonderful. Now, in the game, as we just as we we're just mentioning, Greg, yeah, look, England deserved it. We had our chances, quite a few. Now, despite the wonderful goal, Samantha Kerr had one or two chances. Look, what broke our backs? England were dominating, won the all for a long time. We got Samantha Kerr of a screaming goal, and then almost straight away, unfortunately, you know, Carpenter, Ellie Carpenter made a bad defensive error, and England scored, and that just broke. You could just tell, you know, the the air had gone out. Out of the balloon, they. I think the the quarterfinal, the the length of the quarterfinal caught up with them. The pressure of England, and they played that really intense match against France. I think it was just catching up with them. I agree. You could tell, yeah, that last, you know, that last twenty minutes, yeah, really, really struggling. And and plus, when England got the goal, well, that lifted them. Yeah, you know, they absolutely found the energy. Yeah. You know, as much yeah, as I hate to say it, and we were saying off air, England deserve to win. I, I'm not putting the Matildas down. They've been phenomenal and, you know, be following them tomorrow night when they play off the third. But England, you've, you've got to, you know, as a sports lover, you've got to say the better team won on that night. Look, and none of it down that you could say effort. Like, the, there was, you could, the Matildas gave an absolutely 100%. It was nothing to do with their their want for a result. It was just, I think, technical ability. Um, one, yeah, one, one thing I've noted, one thing I noticed, it was a bit like Socceroos when they played in that golden era. 
against the really good teams is, and I'm no soccer expert, but this is just the way I see it. When we're on the ball, we always seem to not be happy and look for that little extra pass to set it up perfectly. Whereas the really good teams and players don't do that. They just, when they get a chance, will I, will I pass or set? They just, they just get on with it. They just do it, which is what's the matter. Um, yeah, I just think too a little bit too much of that. England were just so composed. You know, if if Australia, if we decided not to rush them, they just stood on over the ball happily and didn't weren't rushed. They didn't think they had to move it on. They were happy to spend five seconds just standing. Yeah, yeah, very composed. But but as I mentioned, the effort, total effort, Australia look did us all proud. And more importantly, are still going. Like I know it's a bit of a letdown the the third place game, but that is our six o'clock Saturday. Tomorrow, it in Australia it'll rate higher than the World Cup final. With yeah, absolutely. People will tune in. The, the viewing for that third place playoff will be far higher numbers than the final itself. This country, anyway. Look in the world, obviously it won't, but definitely in Australia. Look, and it's still something to be proud of. Hopefully, we can get the job done. I think Tony Svasson um, said afterwards. Look, we can't dwell on this very long because we've got to be ready this Saturday and. Look, I know they would have been very disappointed, but they'll get themselves up. They finishing on a win is still amazing. To finish third in a World Cup, that'll do huge. You know, it'll do amazing things for women's sport, women's soccer, soccer in general in this country. The Matildas' world ranking will go up from tenth. You know, it'll have a huge impact across if they are successful against Sweden on Saturday in Brisbane. A great result. What's what's your opinion? I'll just give you mine on everything you've said. I agree with. Long long term, particularly the investment and what we've seen, girls watching who decide they want to play soccer coming through have been inspired, motivated by by this current team. There is some arguments that it look, and I do agree to a certain extent. Part of it of many in the nation, we get on board and we support our teams, whether it's the Olympics or whether it's the Soccer World Cup or whatever it is, a lot of the support you could say is that. So it's not necessarily, it just happens to be soccer, if you know what I mean, rather than love. So, yeah, there's some that argue, well, there are going to be a lot of, I, I disagree with that. I think, look, yes, the ratings will stay high. Maybe in a couple of years, it will drop a bit, but I think the rewards will come through in another time. That's when we'll really, in my opinion, the the benefit of it. Yeah, look, it'll be really interesting to see if it is a, is it a bandwagon thing where people jumped on the bandwagon because we were successful at a point in time? And is there any, can, you know, does that have roll-on effect in terms of junior numbers and funding for female sport and football in, or female sport generally? It's, it's hard to tell. You know, once the World Cup goes away, does AFL and Rugby League just take precedence again? I don't know. I hope not. And the A-League in its current form. Yeah, I, I hope not, but I worry that, it'll just go back to status quo again. You know, that those with the loudest voice like the rugby league and the AFL will just be, you know, the megaphone will be louder than anywhere else. I'm not saying that's right. I just, I, I just historically in Australia, that's tend to be how things go. It tends to be, but yeah, it, it will be, it will be a very interesting watch and yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens in the next few years. But more importantly, and more presently, we'll just, yeah, get on board. Absolutely. The girls need our support. So that's, as I mentioned, Saturday, 6 p.m. And, of course, the World Cup, 8 Sunday. And 
that, but look, that should be a great game too. I haven't seen Spain play, but obviously they're very good. No, Spain's had all their games in New Zealand because, of course, the World Cup was shared was shared with New Zealand. So they were actually in the half that was over in New Zealand. So this will be the first time they've of the tournament they've played in Australia. Um, and look, while we're talking about it, just the massive crowds, and not just, and we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, not just for the Australia and New Zealand games, but for all the games in both countries, the crowds that got out in New Zealand, the crowds that got out around Australia to support soccer and women's soccer, just unbelievable successful World Cup. FIFA, FIFA, must be bes- FIFA must be beside themselves in how successful it's been. And which is why there's, I think they've already mentioned that we're going to put another bid in for the World Cup 2030. And yes, I, I know it's an audio podcast, and yes, I just rolled my eyes. <laughs> yeah, I know. But one thing I will say, though, but at least now FIFA have seen how successful Australia can be. That is well, true. I'm with you. I don't, think I don't think it'll make a difference unless we're willing to get on board and start bribing people doing it the FIFA way. But anyway, you never know. You can't win a lot if you don't buy a ticket. It has proven that in this part of the world, football can be hugely popular, successful, sell out stadiums. So there's no reason, of course, the men's wouldn't have similar response as, as we know it would. So cross your fingers. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd love to see the FIFA World Cup, men's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. If it's shared, you know, across a, two or three countries, New Zealand and whatever, I think it'd be phenomenal. Yeah, it would be. But it, we'll see. Yeah, you, you can't, as I said, you can't win a lottery. But congratulations, Matildas. You've done us proud and, we, and good luck on Saturday. Absolutely. Great. NRL, only be brief on the NRL. I haven't caught, I know you haven't caught much of it. I've caught a little bit. It's, look, it's running in the finals. Look, I am fighting, I'll be honest, there's been some reasonably good games, but I'm finding it tedious. It's the, It's pretty much, look, bottom of the eight, it's still quite tight. There's a few pre- really important games, one of them taking place now. I think the Roosters and the Parramatta. But overall, look, it, I think you know my opinion. I firmly believe the season is too long. It's it's at the yawn fest stage now, where it's just like, oh, for God's sake, get rid of the shit team. Yeah, I, I think. On. Yeah, I, your text message to me was it yesterday or today. You know, let's let's move on and get hit the finals because it gets interesting again. You're probably right. It's probably you know a few rounds too long, particularly when you start getting the the gap that we're getting now between the top eight and those who have given up for the season. And you know, there's a few teams that have definitely given up for the season. Just going through the motions, really. And you're right. Let's let's get into the real football again and get the finals cracking. Right. So the current state of play is the top four is pretty much decided. Sharks and Storm fighting out for fourth. The Raiders with their loss last week. Now the Raiders are a special case. Look, they've been doing well results wise, or they're playing shit. If you know what I mean. Like it's just been an unbelievable. And really, they've just managed to get the job done. Although they haven't. You know, if if they turn it on, they can play twice as well as they have been all year. If, but they're going to they're going to make the eight, so they'll be there. Look, Newcastle. So it's basically between Newcastle, Rabbitohs, Cowboys lost in them, and yeah, that's it. Whoever whoever wins out of the Eels and Roosters technically can make it. Whoever loses tonight and Manly this afternoon, so that's the end of their season. Also, look, Bell sorts off out in the next few weeks. The only thing I'll shout out to Newcastle for five. What is it? Five in a row, going for six in a row this week. Yeah. No, they've really they've played them. Haven't they? Haven't they come good in the last few last month or so? Something to come out of that. I know we've mentioned playing Ponga at fullback and how important that is and how sensible it is. But but also Ponga putting his hand up and saying, "I need no, I'm not doing Origin this year after not getting picked." Like, yeah, I think a lot, a few more teams need to and say, you know, do you are you just playing it because you can? 
You know, like like per, I heard it be discussed on radio last week. Like, and I agree. If Tommy Turbo gets fit, he should sit out and I think and just pay his club back. I hadn't considered that, but it's a really good point. And when you do think about it, Newcastle started their run on the back of Origin, and Ponga not playing and being fit and not going through that training and those games because they are. We know we've talked about how high, much more intensive they are. You know that 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 seems to have a really positive impact on Newcastle, who let's face it, pays his bills every week. Yeah, I, I think it's it's certainly something for the clubs to consider. That's not putting Origin down though. But yeah, well done the Newcastle. Agree. Look, just the last thing on the NRL, Greg. Now I'm rolling my eyes. Another another shit another shit fight at the top. Look, not I guess in the scheme of things, as you mentioned off air, the fact that Tim Sheens is moving on at the end of the year, it's basically everything's been brought forward twelve months. Um, look, probably what's frustrating people is not so much that decision, just the fact that it's another from a board that just has absolutely no idea what they and are just totally incompetent, unprofessional, and everything we've said before, and I'm sure our listeners are sick of me talking about it, so I will shut up. The thing I've noticed with the Tigers, and, and certainly not over it like you are, more as a peripheral because you know we talk football and we talk Tigers and the Dragons a lot, and the Dragons are guilty of what I'm about to say too, but it doesn't seem quite as bad. There's no patience in the Tigers. They make a plan. It doesn't go right in five minutes, and then they change the plan. You know, they, they signed Tim Shane's to do two years. Give him the two years. See what happens. Okay, they've had a bad season, but they had a bad season last year and they had a change. They've had another bad season, so they change again. What are they going to do? Sack Benji at the end of next year if they come in the bottom again? Fair call. I, I just think these clubs, and I know it's about dollars, and therefore they want instant results. But I think you need you need to have a long-term investment plan too and say, right, you know what? We're not going to be successful for the next three years, but in six years, we're going to be one of the top teams. A bit like Penrith did. They invested in juniors. They built the club up from the juniors and they had years there where they weren't successful. They were a laughing stock for a long time and look at them now because they stuck with, they didn't always stick with their coaches, but they stuck with the plan. And the Tigers are similar because they have that huge junior nursery, particularly the ever-growing Southwestern Sydney. Yeah, so if if they could, as you said, make sure they get that in order while still doing their best and build, you know, build for the future. Yeah, there's no reason they couldn't. I'm so I'll say it right now. It ain't going to happen. But there's no reason they could not be a powerhouse like Penrith. I totally agree with you. Uh, they, they are on the doorstep of the the largest junior football community, them and Penrith, if they just were trusted, got a plan in place, and trusted it and stuck with it. And they don't. They just want to flick the switch and have be, you know, this instant success, like instant coffee. They just want to add water and make it a winner. And it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work in any sport. Oh, and, and frustratingly, when they eventually, you know, when they did have their successful season, that was on the back of teams coming in two years earlier. And I'm getting the juniors and going that way. And so that's what worked for them, and as you said. But now they just want the instant gratification. And, yeah, anyway, look, I, and the other thing I'm sick of, and this is not just the Tigers, Tigers are guilty, but a lot of clubs are guilty of this, overpaying for shit players, but sacking the coach. I, I just, I'm so sick of reading the headline about the coach cops all the blame for executives' shit decision. And that's across, and I'm not saying that's just the Tigers, they're guilty, but so are the Dragons and bloody 10 other clubs are similar, guilty of the very similar thing. Yeah, the, the coach has lost. Gold Coast have done in the past, Newcastle have done in the past. They sign shit players or very average players and the coach cops the brunt of it. And, oh, the coach has lost. Yeah. I'm so 
Well, the players should play better then. I'm so sick of hearing that. And I feel sorry for coaches. It's a shit job in the best of days. And they, they just caught the brunt of pl- players playing shit, basically. Yes, indeed. And won't go into it now, but also, you know, Bulldogs, if you think, you know, they haven't gone near as well. And if Sarado doesn't get results next year, that, that'll be interesting as well. But look, we can only we can only hope. But Tigers fans, stay loyal. And I don't know, <laughs> we shouldn't, but that's what we do. But but on the other side, how much pressure is Benji under now? Poor bugger, first coaching gig, like first first grade coaching gig. Look at the pressure this decision's immediately placed on him to be successful. Yeah, it's a big cause. It's huge. And I'm not saying he's going to be a good coach or a bad coach. I wouldn't have a clue. But it really sets, it's nearly setting him up to fail. Because if he doesn't make the eight, it's like it's a failure one more time. So where do we go? Yeah. But, but I guess you could say, but because they've been so shit, it doesn't matter what he does, he's not going to be any worse. No, I know that. But your board doesn't seem to accept that either. No, no you're right. The, the board seem to act as if they're the roosters. Yes. That's really good. Now, yeah. We're not winning a grand final is unacceptable. Yeah. When, when really anyway. Right. State. So, yeah. I, I, as I said, I'm not picking on the Tigers. I'm just, I just think that their clubs nearly set themselves up to fail sometimes. I'll set coaches up to fail across the board. They certainly do. Who'd be a coach, eh? Oh, absolutely. And moving on, mate. So, Rugby Union World Cup kicks off next week. I think September 10th is our first game. Now, Eddie Jones, you know, always as he does, making headlines. Picked. Picked a squad, probably went against what was expected. You know, World Cup, you do need experience on the park. Someone described it. It was a, almost as if he was preparing for the next World Cup, not this one, the next World Cup. So to cut a long story short, look, a couple of senior players, Michael Hooper, who who was struggling, it must be said, but the captain, he wasn't picked. Uh, Quade Cooper wasn't picked. Um, seriously, I, I do agree with some of that. Though. Blokes like Cooper and... Is it Mitchell? I th- Blokes that have been around forever. Always seen to get, keep getting picked. But anyway, they've gone away from that. Picked youth. Three totally uncapped players. Probably the most notable, Max Jorgensen, who the up-and-coming promising, he who has been in, although, he said. But they picked him, Max Jorgensen, and basically gone for And made a Will Skelton, the, the lock forward captain. That was a little bit unexpected as well. Look, a couple of comments on it. I think the Wallabies haven't been successful for a while, so why stick with what's not working? Because it hasn't been working. They have lost games they probably should have won, so why stick with that team? And your comment that you know, their real plan is around the next World Cup, which happens to be in Australia, I think has some validity behind the scenes. I think, you know, I know people would say, oh, you don't blood players in a World Cup, and they're probably right, but you need players to experience a World Cup to be successful the following one. And I think that might be some of that planning that Eddie Jones, unlike what we're just doing in the league, they've signed Eddie Jones for the long term. And this is just the, the prelude to what they really want to be successful in front of their home, a bit like the Matildas, hugely successful World Cup on their home stage in Australia in four years' time. Do you think maybe, and we both agree that they'll probably do better than people expect, but whether Eddie's thinking, well, we're not going to win. Very, very unlikely to win this World Cup. So whether they're doing exactly what you said, Let's get them to experience a World Cup and so we can prepare for the, yeah, the next one. Yeah, look, I, I don't think they had any chance of winning no matter who they took. So they may as well get some players, some real serious World Cup experience. So, I, yeah, I think I think they might be on something with that, that it's around, in his mind, getting ready for the, the following World Cup in, in Australia. Quite possible. But good luck to the Wallabies. They'll, they'll certainly need a, 
I do agree with what you just said. I don't think they'll be as bad as some people think they will. I don't think they've got any chance of winning it, but I, I don't think they'll be a disaster either. I think they'll be just the low end of the better teams, the best way I can describe it. They'll, they'll make the quarterfinals. Yes, yes. You know, it, look, I, I think a good result would be somehow getting into a semi, but yeah, I think quarter around the quarterfinal yep. stage, I think. I, I tend to agree with you. Will be where they all sit. All right, so that starts next month, but starting next week, next Saturday, or next Friday, Saturday, I think, is the basketball, the men's basketball World Cup. Yeah. Now, I'll pass over to you, Greg, in a sec, but not that I saw we got beaten by Brazil. Um, yes, in a warm-up the other night, yep. Yep. I feel a few big man problems. Um, Jock Landau's out, I believe. Yeah, so um, they had three warm-up games in Melbourne. So the squad's been in Australia for the last three weeks, two weeks training. They had a training camp in Cairns and then played three warm-up games in Melbourne this week. So they, they comfortably with Venezuela on Monday night. Then, as you said, a bit of an upset loss by a couple to Brazil on um, Wednesday night, then played again against South Sudan last night and had a comfortable win again. But in the early first five minutes, Jock Landale had come off a, a minor ankle injury and hadn't played the first two games. That was his first warm-up game and just contested a, a block shot rebound if you like came down and unfortunately really badly hurt his ankle hobbled off the court to the changers immediately and it's announced he won't be going to the world cup so we're going to be a bit light on we're a bit small now so the world cup itself as you said starts next week it's being hosted across three countries indonesia philippines and japan australia is in the pool in japan so they play their pool games in okinawa the world cup the basketball world cup structured exactly like the fifa men's world cup they've modeled its exact same model. So there's 32 teams in pools of four, they play off and then it all culminates in the Philippines host the finals. So in their pool game, they've got Finland, Germany, and I haven't mentioned Japan, actually the host nation, Japan. They should win, they should win that pool. That said, Finland have a couple of NBA players and so does Germany. So they will be competitive games, but Australia would be favourites in a competitive pool to come out first. And then I'm not sure where we cross over with, so how the crossovers work after that. I think I did read that US, although not in Japan, they're actually in the Philippines. Once we get to semis, the US is in our half of the draw. So I think if we were successful, we would meet them in the semifinal. Which is always obviously a stumbling. No one wants to meet. Look, they haven't set their best team and they never do to the World Cup. But it's a strong team, it, it, and they've had very good warm-up matches. They've played very well. They've been, they've been playing in Abu Dhabi and in Spain and had some warm-up games in both and have been quite look quite good, better than I thought they would. That doesn't always translate. You, you know, It's like all sports, warm-up games are warm-up games, and no one shows their whole deck of cards, as you would expect, and Australia certainly did in Melbourne this week. But, yeah, you want to avoid, you want to avoid the US if you can. Australia goes in ranked third. Um, in the world behind the US being one and Spain being two and then Australia's three. So they're right up there. And even with Jock going down, as I said, we're a bit small, but they've got a really strong team. They've got a, yeah, you would think they'd be around the medals at the end, come the end, end business. You'd think they'd be in the conversation for a medal. I'd hope so. If they're not, they'll be very disappointed. No, they're certainly, that's, you know, given their recent form and the Olympics and remembering the, the next Olympics is only 12 months away. Correct. You know, the, this is very much a, 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 a in Australian basketball. You know, like we we're just talking with the the Wallabies, they're planning really for the Olympics next next year. Uh, the other thing is, you know, some of our most well known players are right at the end of their career. Paddy Mills, Joe Ingles. This, I think they've both put their hand up for Paris, but that'll certainly be the end of their international career. 
That said, we've got some really strong young players coming through. Josh Giddy, Dyson Daniels. Um, who else we got coming through? Josh Green for Dallas. De- Dante Exum's still there, just signed back with Dallas. So there's a really good young group coming through as well as that experience. So their the mix is really good at the moment. It's really set the stage to be successful. The only concern is we're a little bit small. Yeah, but a bit more yeah, height and size would be would be handy. But, but you, you're right. Well, if you're going to lose games, losing warm-up games, it doesn't mean... No, no look, they, he grabbed a little bit of media attention losing to Brazil the other night. I wasn't worried about it. As a basketball fan, not worried about it at all. You, you, you kind of hope they lose and, and have a loss because, you know, their combinations they were playing aren't, aren't what they're going to play at the World Cup. He, he was experimenting, and that's what we'll go... We'll, um, you know, warm-up games are about. Testing the water, experimenting with combinations and all those sort of things... And I, he did, you know, Gorgie and the coach did that very much. So I wouldn't lose sleep over that. And they've got another two practice games now over in Japan. They've left They've left this morning to Japan and they've got two warm-up games to go. So they've got one against France who are, you know, they're world-class. They're ranked – actually, they might be two instead of Spain. They're certainly in the top four with Australia and US and Spain. So that that's a world-class matchup. And then they've got uh, another world game against Georgia of all countries, which is – quite interesting don't know where that came from but yeah another hit out before the world cup starts hopefully you know as i said really good young team on the rise so yeah if nothing look i think top four you know i'll be surprised if they don't make those semis that would be a as you said a disappointment yeah look if they're not in that top four and and in the conversation for medal they'll be very disappointed and as a fan i'd be disappointed there because they're a really good team and you know we talk about our team all the players bar one are in the nba now Every no bar two of the twelve, ten are current NBA players. The epitome of the you know, basketball world to make an NBA team. We've got ten of our twelve playing in the NBA, contracted players. That's phenomenal. No, that's fantastic, and that's and look, they don't want to look at it. But even if we didn't go as well, it we said the Olympics are twelve months. Like surely that experience and that combination building. Absolutely. Yeah, at the very least, it's going yeah. to have a positive effect. Yeah, and, and it's it's we've talked about this. But it's it's like Australian football that the opportunities for that group to play together is few and far between. Because although although you go through the whole like the soccer qualifying process, those players aren't available for qualifying. We we draw on our local Australian talent or those playing in Japan and things like that to you know make the do the qualifying rounds and then the 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 best players come together just for the serious end which is really sad for all the players that did all the hard work but soccer is exactly the same it's just the way the way it has to be just the way you know you've got your club competition then fifa or in our case fiba working around in the background and it's just putting that all together just the way it has to be at the end of the day the clubs pay the bills that's exactly right so yeah, look, I'm looking forward to it as a, as a basketball fan. It's all on ESPN in Australia. So if you've got access to ESPN through KO or Foxtel, then they're showing, I think they're actually showing all the games, but certainly the Australia games. Right. No, it certainly will be watching with interest. And we'll, and we'll keep our listeners updated. Yeah, I'll, look, we'll catch up. We'll work out there. We'll catch up next week and, you know, see how the warm-up games went. And if we've started, we'll have a chat about that, put that on the radar for the next couple of weeks. It goes for just over two weeks. I think it's Friday to the Sunday fortnight after, so it's just over two weeks. Yeah, it's a bit like the Netball World Cup and the women's. The, the games come thick and fast. They do. It's, they play every second day. And there's as a 32 teams playing every second day. So it's not like the soccer where they have a you know best part of a week between games. It's every two days. So, yeah, you're right. It, it, once it starts, it's, it's very, it happens very quickly. Plenty of action coming up for basketball or nuffies like it yeah looking forward to it all right just to finish 
Mate, the AFL, it's the business end. So the AFL, it's the penultimate round this week. So round 23 of 24. So just a couple of important games. It was last week. Yeah. So round 23. So a top four game. We've got Brisbane leading Collingwood at halftime by about 15 points. But a couple of teams, Carlton, have come back with an absolute burst. Who Carlton started the season on fire. Look like ending their tent, whatever it is, 11-year drought for the finals. Totally hit the wall. Look gone. And then have gone, gone on a run. They're currently fifth. So they're favoured to beat the Suns. Look, crunch game. Giants are playing Essendon up in Sydney. The Giants, whoever wins that, will most likely make the eight or just sneak into the eight. Although they're six versus 11, St Kilda playing Geelong. So Geelong are in danger of missing the finals. Last year's uh, premiers. Although St Kilda are much higher on the ladder, they're not the favourite. The Cats are. The Cats just have a habit of getting the job done when they really need to. It'll be interesting. Look, the Swannies are currently in seventh. They've won the last couple, of, you know, impressively against the Crows over in Adelaide, though. Crows are favourite. Melbourne Hawthorne has got no effect. And a couple of other games that won't affect things. Yeah, so a couple of crunch games there. And then they move on to the final round next week. And then they, we argue about this every year. Or we roll our eyes. They have a week off. They start the final. Yeah, they do. They must work for them because they haven't changed it. But it seems to lose a bit of momentum in my mind. But that's probably because we're in New South Wales and a bit withdrawn from the AFL media cycle anyway. Uh, you know, if it didn't work, the AFL are a very successful business. So if it didn't work, they would change it. So it must, across the board, must be successful for them. Yeah, look, I haven't really looked into what they do. But I think they, they do try and coincide with their, I think, their Bush League have their grand finals on that weekend. So it gives the, you know, because, you know, AFL, you know, to, to get them than that. But yeah, it, it's an interesting concept. Look, great for the players, niggling injuries. Look, I know we talked about that last year. Where, you know, that week off for those players that have played all season with, and every player's got a niggle. So to have that extra week off, you know, before the finals, that makes sense to me to try and have the fittest squads possible. Yeah, so I can see their thinking on that. But yeah, to me, to me it's still in. But look, Collingwood, silver team to beat. Collingwood, Port Adelaide, top. But Melbourne, Brisbane, a few other teams sort of nipping at their heels. So, yeah, business end of the AFL season, too far away. Yeah, good. Exciting times. And as you said, for, for our interest, both Sydney clubs are sort of there in the mix to make the final eight. So whether they do or not, we'll have to see these last couple of rounds. But they're certainly there around the mix, which is good for AFL in New South Wales again. Now, Greg, uh, I'm almost out. But I just wanted to mention, um, look, although, although I, you know, I, a news person, a journalist essentially, but as most of us are aware now, the um, Michael, Sir Michael Parker, the great interviewer, passed away recently, age 88. But look, a great sports lover, absolute cricket tragic. You know, did a lot for cricket and charities, particularly charities surrounding cricket in England and also Australia. And also was you know, mad for soccer and those sorts of things. But yeah, just a great cricket man, cricket lover. He absolutely, you know, he loved Shane Warne. He was good friends with a lot of high profile cricketers. Um, yeah, just absolutely love the game. And, you know, famously, I've, most cricket fans are aware, but he tried out the same time as at Yorkshire at Jeff Boycott and Dickie Bird. And apparently one of the selectors asked, oh, what's he do for a job? Parkinson was batting and they said, oh, he's a journalist. And they said, yeah, well, I suggest he keeps. <laughs> so, yeah, so a handy player, but not good enough, not quite good enough to make to make the county, the county circuit. But, you know, to the entertainment um, benefit 
we say. Yes, probably considered, if not one of the best interviewers of all time. Yeah, and and did and did a great interview with Shane Warne back in the day. You know, it's yeah, hard to believe now that both those gentlemen are no longer. Mm, very true, very true. Uh, yeah, um, and just my last book, Greg. Just watching a bit, just two things. I, I never got on the Ted Lasso bandwagon. So really? Recently. Okay. Are you a watcher? I have seen it all. I've watched it all. Yes. Uh, you, and you rate it? I did. I did rate it. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, no, no, like I said I, I'm really. Um, yeah, because Liam, my son Liam, he's watched it all, and um, I, yeah, like I said, whatever. But yeah, really got stuck into it. I'm in the series three now, halfway through series three. Um, yeah, and, and something else on Netflix. Every year, the NFL do their um, quarterback series. Yes, where they basically follow three quarterbacks throughout the season. And I'm watching uh, this season's, or you know, it was based on last season, and uh, Patrick Mahomes is one of them. So the best. The quarterback. best quarter, yep. Yeah, and Kurt Cousins from Minnesota, who's very handy, and um, can't think of his name, but um, the Atlanta Falcons quarterback, he's sort of been up and down. But yeah, no, it's just anyone that loves their sport, and just particularly the back scene, you know, behind the, the off-field action, the, how athletes, how they spend their week, how they prepare, you know, the, the things that they have, the obstacles and things that they have, and the day-to-day grind. No, it's really interesting. So if you're into that sort of thing, uh, quarterback doco on Netflix. Have a look. Give that a watch, definitely. All right, Greg. Well, I'm done. I think we are done for a catch up. As I said, been a couple of weeks, but been a bit soccer crazy. But that's been that's a good thing for Australia as well. So yeah, it was, it was good to have a chat. Absolutely, and yeah. So go to Matilda's. Good luck on Saturday. And as usual, everyone, whatever sport you're into, hopefully you get to either get out watching it, playing it, or having a look on the telly. May your team do well well said and we will do our best to get something out and chat about next week all right look forward to it all right all thanks again and we will try as i said catch up next week have a great weekend yourselves and we'll be back when we can